Notes from the Upper West Side, a novel by Dan Wrench. Chapter 56, A Leap of Faith. At first, I was cheerful. I was on the road to recovery. But a few minutes after walking to Amsterdam to get to my street, I started mulling it over. And mulling it over got me pretty depressed. First of all, I was about to start doing that PARP thing everybody always laughed at, namely changing my whole life so I could achieve some simple goal. The essence of PARP nuttiness. It was maybe five minutes after PARP left me, only five minutes before I'd convinced myself I could probably achieve the same simple goal just by eating more broccoli or drinking 10 cups of water a day or something. Some simple routine I could find out on some website somewhere if only I knew the right words to Google with. Some secret that was real easy but dark and killer like eat three stalks of celery with peanut butter and uh, whey protein. Watch your cock bulge while the bounds melt away. But here I was, about to remake my triceps in Parp's image. Who was I? Seriously, did I even like myself? It was pretty cool that evening out on the street, so when I noticed I was sweating, it jarred me a little. It was like I had a fever. Like I'd sold my soul to the evil one, maybe. Or like I was Walter Neff in Double Indemnity unable to hear my own footsteps on the sidewalk because I was already a dead man, or maybe both. Swear to any god you might think I believe in, at one point I was sure I could feel Parp's breath on my neck. It was clammy. I was taking a leap of faith. And not just any old leap of faith, but a leap of faith I couldn't tell anyone about. Maybe you're out there right now taking a night course so you can keep your job or get a better one or surprise your wife with your newfound ability to, I don't know, build a cabinet or fix a toilet or cook up some of those delicious sauces you know she loves, sauces with basil and tomato paste that simmer while she drools. It's manly, civilized, and it's something you can tell other people about. But training my cock? I can call it whatever I want, but if anybody catches me in the act, then all I am is a pervert. Worse, a lonely pervert. And where's the guarantee I was going to actually end up a new man? An enviable man, full of fuck energy and hard as a rock. Okay, I believed in the prescription magic. Pound down a few of those pills and I'm sure I've either got a hard-on or a piece of a class action suit against a pharmaceutical company. But all the working out and vitamins and eating those powdered superfoods that Parp eats. Like I said, where was the guarantee? I was pretty sure I couldn't sue Parp if his theories and schemes and experiments turned out to be horseshit. And if I did sue him, what did I stand to win? A Surface Pro? A paperback copy of the Federalist Papers? Dumbbells? 
So you can see where my brain was going. I didn't want to imitate Park because he is the incarnation of all that is evil, the Antichrist, the destroyer of worlds, Rosemary's baby. But imitating him looked like my safest bet if I wanted to be boss cock at my next bone fest. I walked into my apartment thinking those thoughts. Thoughts that forced me to sit on my sofa holding my keys and forgetting what time it was and where the boys and Junior were and when they might be back. And the train of thought that had me sitting there, like a statue, sitting there transfixed, was the thought of all the people I would eventually have to explain this to and how behind my back they would laugh and shake their heads and riff on my pathetic existence. People like Kurt Libby and Jono and the doll. What was I going to tell them? I guess I could make it sound like I wasn't changing my whole life. I could make it sound like I was adapting part for the sane mind. Diet and exercise, you guys. You should try it. But they'd be able to tell I'd gone over it. That I'd traded my independent life for parp nuttiness, which was now my nuttiness. When I roused myself out of the stupor induced by these thoughts and moved off the sofa, it was to do something truly insane. Namely, send an email to Cammy. But I had a good reason. Really. Even in hindsight, I can't argue with the reasoning. See, I knew that giving my soul to Satan was something I could pretty much backburner if there was no second date with the camster, so I figured, send her an email and feel her out. I mean, she did say the next time we do it, the last time we did it, so I guess her mood at the time was, yeah, second date, why not? But now? Now there was this part of me that wondered what she meant by it. At first I thought I was just being paranoid, but then I thought, Jesus, I don't know what she means by it, or just about anything else. I mean, who was she anyway? She gets off pretending to be a little boy, and his mother. She splits like a hooker after telling me I have a limp dick. She's an actress. She's an artistic director. And she's in her mid-thirties. Shit, I thought. I haven't got a clue what she means or wants or thinks or knows. So, on the one hand, if Cammy was up for a second date, my soul went straight to the Dark Lord. On the other hand, if she said, no thanks... Then I could eat pizza and watch TV and pretty much keep my soul to myself, except for the part of my soul that regularly went to the fam. And of course, Lord of All Tale would have to struggle with rejection. But struggling with rejection was a me I knew. A me I was pals with. And it's why I have Jessica. Notes from the Upper West Side is a work of fiction. The people depicted in this work do not exist. Notes from the Upper West Side. Copyright 2013 to 2017 by Dan Wrench.